Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the FO News Show. My name is Gail Clinton. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jackson Roberts. Jackson! Then there was one. <laughs> one game left. Two teams dueling it out. Got a little got a little Pro Bowl games in between. We got some media week next week. But in terms of actual competitive football, there was one game left on our docket. Can't believe we're here, man. Can't can't believe we have to wait two weeks for it. Uh, but that two weeks will pale in comparison to the roughly eight months we have to spend between that and the following football game. This is always the time when it starts to hit me that the season's basically over. Uh, and it's it's sad. But at the same time, right now the the news world is going bonkers around the league. So we're not even gonna get to that game until probably like 1.53 p.m. So let's let's hunker down and try to get through some of the real news today, Cal. Yeah, there was a point on Sunday where I'm like, all right, we'll stare down the barrel of a slow news day. I guess we're gonna do some injury report stuff beforehand, like maybe some comment stuff. No, we are hard hitting. Let's kick it off, Jackson. The news everyone woke up to this morning, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Tom Brady. Officially for real this time. We'll see how that holds out, but announced on the beach this morning that he will be retiring after 23 seasons in the NFL. Does so via his own social media accounts. Gets to do it on his own this time again one year to the day of his last retirement jackson where were you when you heard the news the first time where were you today when you heard the news time? uh i don't remember exactly where i was last year i do know that we podcasted together on that day in the same room uh and that was definitely like kind of a weird experience i think we might have found out really close to showtime. We're like, oh, he just retired. I guess we should leave the show with that. Similar experience today where we woke up, found out the news, uh, or like, I'm sure I was awake when the news broke, but like found out earlier in the day and was like, I guess that leads our show now. So lead the show, Kale. <laughs> Talk about Tom Brady retiring. Jackson, I don't know what you're talking about. I found out on a ski mountain, in Mount Snow in Vermont. But eh, whatever. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> that makes for some uh, lack of yes and improv there, but massive news nonetheless. Jackson, seven-time Super Bowl champion, three-time MVP, five-time Super Bowl MVP. I just want to throw this list up on the screen from CBS Sports. Jackson, this is a list of every single record that Tom Brady currently holds. It is CVS receipts levels of long. Also, in addition, has two of the top five seasons all time by passing DVOA among quarterbacks. Also, two of the most recent top five seasons, or both of which were the most recent performances. Also, has the best single season DYAR performance among quarterbacks. Jackson, a bit of a disappointing year. Losing the wild card round to the Dallas Cowboys in eight and nine season. Down year, still finishes well by our metrics. But by all accounts, a down year probably hangs it up a year too late. But at the same time, it is nice to know that there were no questions left on the table. 
I mean, last year he would have kind of gone out in a blaze of glory. I mean, he had maybe three opportunities. You could even argue four opportunities to retire on top, like literally after a Super Bowl victory at a somewhat advanced age. The most recent of which you're 43, you went to a new team, you brought a bunch of star players with you. That would have been the perfect opportunity to go out on top, but that was never how it was going to end for Brady. I mean, this was a guy who said basically a decade ago, I'm going to play until I suck. Uh, And I don't even know if he really lived up to that mantra, but certainly the team around him, uh, how much of a role you want to say he played in that, that team kind of sucked this year. Going to be honest, I think they could have easily won five games and the fact that they did get to eight is kind of a credit to Brady and his fourth quarter abilities, but it was never going to be a graceful exit. It was always going to be Tom Brady playing football until he just can't play football anymore. And he can probably still play more football, but what a dang career. Just the longevity, the numbers, the compilation. I mean, pick one, pick one off that list. They can all be your favorite. It's an incredible achievement. My personal one is probably uh, four touchdowns. Most games of four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 28. I'd say at least one a year of those performances. That's an impressive one. Uh, I don't, Jackson, it's time. It's what's the most important thing about this. It's Kyle Trask time. Oh, boy. There is, it, it is really interesting that this was kind of pitched as this, like, the entire media cycle yesterday was like, could Tom Brady play for the uh, San Francisco 49ers with news of Brock Purdy's UCL injury, which we'll get to. Uh, really interesting to see him take this route. Uh, there was some reporting from ESPN basically saying it was either return to the Bucks or retire. There was never no let's do a third team sort of thing. But now there's a division which, as currently, is very much lacking in quarterback talent. You have uh, Desmond Ritter as the leader for the Atlanta Falcons, the aforementioned Kyle Trask as the current projected starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am not sure the New Orleans Saints have a quarterback rostered outside of Taysom Hill, who's been now reverted back totally to his tight end, maybe Ian Book. Uh, And the Carolina Panthers, main man Sam Darnold, looking like the best time he could have to lead a division before eventually getting usurped by whatever quarterback the Carolina Panthers take in the draft. But Brady in a vacuum leaves, leaving the NFC South, Leaves the division in a big vacuum, a wake that we did not expect would be this decimated upon his exit. Yeah, well, for starters, the, there is one quarterback under contract. It's Jameis for twelve point eight million next year. Uh, they do have a with eleven million in dead cap. But if they want Jameis back for twelve point eight, he's there. Other than that, I think that's a division where you're considering trade ups in the draft. Funky free agent signings. I mean, 36-year-old Andy Dalton could be re-signed by the Saints or could sign somewhere else and compete against the Saints twice next year. I really don't have a clue of who ends up where. I think Will Levis ends up in this division somehow, whether that's Carolina or one of the other teams trades up. Uh, I guess Atlanta probably has, like, the clearest picture. It's like, all right, it's Desmond Ritter's time to get a chance next year, but it's, it's a weird division. It was coming into the year, and it's only getting weirder with the most stable quarterback in the league, a 45-year-old heading out. Who'd have thought, well, Jackson, if the New Orleans Saints have the potential to move up the way you say you do, 
They'll have better able to do so now. The Denver Broncos have traded for the rights to sign Sean Payton as their head coach, Jackson. New Orleans Saints will receive a 29th overall pick in this draft, as well as the Broncos' 2024 second-round pick. Broncos get Payton and a 2024 third. This eventually works out because of the way this trade is structured. This essentially works out as a day-two trade down, swapping Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton. This is the pick that the Denver Broncos acquired by trading away Bradley Chubb. Jackson, in the 15 years that Sean Payton has coached in the NFL, has 12 finishes inside the top 10 of offensive DVOA and two additional finishes in 11th place. But you look at the laundry list of the pick that they have essentially eschewed to pick up Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, now three firsts and three seconds over 2022 to 2024, that is a haul for two teams combined, plus additional player resources. Jackson, somewhere to go at this point uh, for the Denver Broncos moving on from Nathaniel Hackett. Really interesting move. One of only four uh, coaches ever traded for, one of five ever traded for national football, Peyton to the Broncos. I had no idea to dismount from that. I'm sorry I kept going. I don't believe he's one of only five that have been traded. He is. There have been four other coaches that have been traded and won Super Bowls. So, like, there's precedent here. You never know if the Broncos might be able to, like, get something done because they traded for a coach. You think, like, oh, that move doesn't seem like it would work out historically. Don Shula, Bill Belichick, John Gruden first time to the Bucks, and Bruce Arians uh, from the Cardinals to the Bucks. So the Bucks have successfully traded for two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, folks. Uh, and if you want more nuggets on this trade, because I have a bunch, how about the Dolphins trading, or the Dolphins basically giving up two first round picks along the way for Sean Payton to go to this uh, the Broncos. I find that one quite interesting. Also, that pick is originally from the Trey Lance deal, which just continues to have ripple effects. And we also have a spot for Trey Lance booked out in our show. So, The league works out in very funny ways sometimes, but for the Broncos, the interesting wrinkle in all this is that yesterday, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are having a little bit of a source off. Ian Rappaport saying, hey, the Broncos made this late push for D'Amico Ryans, and when that didn't work out, they finally, you know, sealed the deal with Peyton, which would be seemingly just catastrophic from an optics perspective. Like, oh, we settled on this guy, but we also gave up a first-round pick for him. Whereas Schefter says, no, he was their guy all along, and the timing of the two was completely coincidental. So no matter how we got there, Sean Payton's the new head coach in Denver, and Denver's offense could really use some work if you hadn't watched football this year. 29th in total offensive DVOA. Russell Wilson, 29th in DYAR, and negative 136. So, hey, get your, get your quarterback whisperer in there see how it works out. What are your thoughts on the Jackson? I mean, Aaron Schott said on Twitter that by our numbers, Peyton is worth a low first-round pick. I believe it was Kevin Cole from Unexpected Points said that Peyton would outright be a steal for a first-round pick. Uh, a proven track record of success, but also you look at the scheme that Peyton's drawing up, especially second 
era, like last five years in New Orleans, not the offense you expect Russell Wilson to be able to handle or like not exactly the offense Russell Wilson is uniquely positioned to excel in, uh, given his current state in Denver. Yeah, although I do think it reverted back to some of the more Russell Wilsonian tendencies in 2021 with Jameis, as opposed to, I mean, when you have dead arm Drew Brees for four years, your your quick game is pretty much going to be everything. And obviously, that's not historically what Russell Wilson's been known for. But I think Peyton, not necessarily his calling card as a head coach, but something that I do think he's as good at as most coaches out there, especially offensive minded ones, is molding his offense to the talent he actually has a quarterback. So you win games with, you know, stiff 40 year old Drew Brees. I feel like you can get more out of Russell Wilson. Now, whether that translates to winning more games, I think there's a lot of other things they need to address, whether it's the line whether it's figuring out if the skill group you have around him is the right mix and you just need to better utilize them or you go out and get someone else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from a value perspective, I think there's a big difference here between if the Broncos are trading their own pick, which would have been number five, had they not already owed it to Seattle and 29, it's like, you know, who knows who's going 29 Cole strange went 29 to the Pats this past year could be great. Could be totally irrelevant in five years. So I think, Knowing what you have in a head coach there, I don't mind the value of the trade. Ricochet shot a Cole Strange, one of the, uh, like a very productive interior lineman for the New England Patriots. Need to figure it out as the year went along, yes. Well, Jackson is not the only head coaching vacancy that was filled basically minutes within proximity to the Sean Payton deal. Houston Texans signed D'Amico Ryans to a six-year contract. Ryans returns to the team that drafted him in 2006. Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2006 when they draft him. Also picked up a first-team All-Pro nomination. Rose his way up through the ranks of the San Francisco 49ers and took over the role of defensive coordinator upon Robert Sala accepting the New York Jets job. Ryan's in both years as defensive coordinator, finished top 10, led the league in defensive DVOA this year. Thoughts on the hire, Jackson? It is four straight years now of the Houston Texans ranking 22nd or worse by defensive DVOA. I know, at least from J.J. Watt's Twitter, some of Houston Texans' Twitter, a lot of the Texans excited about this one. As they should be, you know, like this is this was kind of the guy, I think, in the head coaching search this year. Like there always seems to be someone who can get basically any job they want. And maybe this wasn't the year with the most attractive slate of head coaching options because there wasn't really a team out there that had a franchise quarterback. But I think from the Texans perspective, one, there's the historical pull, right? That's your organization. You came up in it Two. The Texans did show better as the year went on, and there are legitimately talented young players on that team. You look at a Derek Stingley who was drafted third overall last year, and you expect Ryan's to get the most out of him. Jalen Petrie ends up having like the most tackles by anyone in anyone's secondary this past year. So there's a lot to like about this roster. You obviously need a quarterback, and that's what you're going to address with your number two pick, or if you end up trading for the Bears' number one pick, like that guy's coming into the building. And I think for Ryan's, it's okay. You know, how do I how do I manage the maturation of that quarterback as a defensive head coach? Because we know that can be a great recipe or a terrible one. 
And how do I get the most out of this defense, which I think played a lot better as the year went on, not just because of the talent, but I mean, you know, you look at weighted DVOA, they're 12th. So they, they end the season at 20 se- or yeah, 22nd, but they really picked up steam as it went along. And I think with, with Ryan's, they're just going to hit the ground running next year. Some impressive performances against the Tennessee Titans played a couple surprisingly close games down the stretch. Their pass rush is really uh, generated like exclusively through players, which has been a really interesting revelation. But you're right, a ton of young defensive talent. And I think, you know, outside of quarterback, that has to be the focus. Like, that's the focus of the tire is getting back to a defensive identity, which Houston really embraced for so long during, you know, late aughts, early 2010. Really had a strong defensive stretch there. And you just love to, you love to see a nice homecoming story. Yeah. Feels like a really good embrace there. Houston, like, I don't know. Uh, him and Ryan's playing together. Like, it's just a fun environment for it. It's a nice story. I think that, you know, we'll see what they can do in the pass rush department, but I also think you coach to what you have on the roster and what they have right now is obviously a pretty talented young secondary. You know, those teams in the late aughts, early, early 2010s had J.J. Watt. So are you going to be able to find, you know, an 80% of a J.J. Watt? Who knows? But I think what Ryan's is going to do is not only maximize the production from that group, but figure out what their best defensive identity is going to be based on who he has next year. And that's what he, I mean, you're not going to get a Fred Warner and Nick Bosa in there, unfortunately, but he's shown that he can utilize the most talented players he has in the most efficient possible way. I think that is a big part of the 49ers identity. Honestly, just the fact that they've been able to deal with so much injury and a lot of turnover in the secondary as well uh, throughout the season and still produce great, great numbers. Final head coaching vacancy filled. Carolina Panthers hire former Indianapolis head coach Frank Reich as their new head coach. Reich was fired midseason, replaced by Jeff Saturday after a slow start to the year. Reich, despite a 40-33-1 record with the team, had a different quarterback in each of his first five seasons uh, in week one for the Indianapolis Colts. Constant turnover at the position. They make two plays for big guys late. And now he's going to have an opportunity to get his guy and actually mold a young talent. Should be noted. Steve Wilkes also heavily in the running for this job. I said it on Monday's show with Aaron Bryant, and I think you'd hopefully say the same. Uh, These two statements don't have to be mutually exclusive. This is a good hire for the Panthers, a team that's looking to, uh, you know, retool and build out a quarterback. But at the same time, Steve Wilkes, who vastly overperformed after taking over from Matt Rule, little little short sticked in this little screwed over uh and and it's the second time that steve wilkes has been completely screwed over you know he's he's twice been in the position of not to say head coach in name only but like we will give you the head coach job but 
don't consider you the long-term solution. And that's like more inherent with an interim job. But I think a story that we just don't acknowledge that much anymore is how badly Steve Wilkes got screwed over by the Cardinals in 2018, uh, a team that is now back on the market for head coaches and conspicuously did not interview Steve Wilkes this time around. So I do really emphasize with Wilkes and I think it's, you know, for better or worse, obviously emblematic of a larger problem in a league that's 70% black, but has three active black head coaches at this time. Regardless, Frank Reich, an offensive-minded head coach, seven of the nine candidates they interviewed were offensive-minded, and the Panthers have never had an offensive-minded head coach so far since their franchise started in 1995. So it makes sense that they would want to go this direction, and that's kind of what both owner and GM talked about in the wake of the hire was wanting to, I mean, you look at the final four this past weekend, all four head coaches were defensive minded. That's not even counting people like Brian Dable who made it to the previous round. So makes sense, but you obviously feel for Steve Wilkes and, and you hope that he lands a job elsewhere, whether that's this year or not. All four were offensive minded. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I might've said that backwards, but yes, all four offensive minded. Yes. And uh, I believe the owner as well came out and basically uh, gave a statement essentially saying, uh, how could you not hire, like I'm paraphrasing, how could you not hire an offensive guy considering rule changes around the league? Uh, you have the most advantage hiring an offensive head coach and directing your team that way. Also have an opportunity, you know, they draft Matt Corral third round last year. They're picking sixth overall this year. Could be in a position for like maybe a Stroud, a Levis, It'll be interesting to see Frank Reich, who's often so highly touted as this quarterback whisperer, as someone who's like, his whole thing is molding teams around quarterback. What he got famous for out of Philly, why he came to Indianapolis. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do with some new blood in the mix. Did, did did text Andrew Luck this past year asking if he might want to come back. So maybe Andrew we'll Luck will come back to the Panthers. Who knows? If he wouldn't play for the Colts, Jackson, I don't think he'll play for the Carolina Panthers. Why not? Who's Who's got it worse than the Colts? He's right? enjoying himself. Is it like he's going to grad school now? He's, yeah. he's getting his master's. He's doing I went to stuff. grad school. If someone asked me to come play QB for the Panthers, I would have definitely thought about it. There are two. It's funny. There are two vacancies still available in the head coaching market. One is the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals, who've recently conducted interviews with both Cincinnati Bengals coordinators Lou Anarumo on Wednesday and Brian Callahan on Thursday. Believe they also tried to get in on the Peyton deal, found out they were out and pivoted. They had him in the building last week. He was there. He was in their hands. Got away. Other popular finalists, Denver Broncos defensive coordinator, Hiro Rivera, uh, former Miami Dolphins head coach and current Pittsburgh Steelers assistant, Brian Flores, also Aaron Glenn. They interviewed Mike Kafka. Jackson Colts. Bit of a crapshoot. I think the only thing we don't know is that Jeff Saturday is not a head coaching candidate. They have interviewed uh, Callahan, uh, Averro, Aaron Glenn, Mike Kafka, Eric Bieniemy, Rich Basaccia, Wink Martindale, Raheem Morris, 
Shane Steichen, Bubba Ventrone, and the aforementioned Saturday. No real headwinds in terms of what direction they're headed in at all. Is there anything additional you can give us about either of these openings? I mean, the Colts have brought seemingly everyone in for second interviews. Uh, I mean, they the, the whole, like, who's a finalist, who's not for that job gets extremely confusing extremely fast. Just today, I wake up to see if there's any more news, and all I see are speculative blogs, like, is this still all just a ruse to hire Jeff Saturday? And honestly, nothing would surprise me at this point. I would be surprised if Shane Steichen gets passed over this round of head coaching opportunities but at the same time I mean he's not active as far as we know in that Cardinals process and I don't think this Colts opening is particularly attractive so I don't know where that leaves us and certainly you know you look at both Giants coordinators in the mix for this job I mean they're just pulling from everywhere they're pulling from the Bengals they're pulling from uh, the Rams like this could really go any direction so I'm infinitely curious to see where the Colts end up going with this Someone did make a reference to I like by this list, like the Colts have kind of just been meandering to me. Well, it feels like the Cardinals have kind of been in on these close deals. They were pretty heavily interviewing Ryan's at one point, or had Ryan's in the building at some point, had Peyton in the building last week, miss out on both guys there. There was a reference, I forget who it was on Twitter, and I forgive not mentioning it. But essentially likening uh, the last time this happened resulted in the Arizona Cardinals' last-second hiring Bruce Arians, which worked out really well for the franchise. And maybe they luck out because Lou Anarumo's name was not mentioned on any major head coaching. Like, was considered heavily as one of the best coordinators in the league and just wasn't really drawing interviews. Maybe that's a product of them still being involved in the postseason. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, source of negligence on the coaching front. But I wouldn't hate it for them. I think it would be a fantastic hire, a guy that's preached so heavily an ability to generate defensive versatility and show so many different looks against teams and attack so many people on so many different fronts. It'd be a bit of a lucky hire for them falling into that spot, but a good one nonetheless. Uh, yeah, any predictions on where either of these end up going? Well, first of all, I think that is always an interesting domino is like postseason elimination for top candidates. You know, I, I don't know if maybe Shane Sykin would have gotten a job with one of these other teams by now <laughs> if his team had lost instead of D'Amico Ryan's team on Sunday. You know, these coaches, they'll take interviews while they're still in it, but it, it's not that it's impossible, but it's certainly – feels like a bit unlikely that someone like a D'Amico Ryans would take a job while their team was still going at the same time. You never know if, you know, they make the Super Bowl and it's like clock's ticking D'Amico, maybe that domino does fall. So in this case, yeah, you see Anarumo and Callahan are now both out. Steichen's still in. Eric Bieniemy, who's, you know, potentially a finalist for the Colts also still in. Uh, and you wonder like how long these teams are willing to wait. I think now that we're down to two, they'll be more willing to wait, especially when there's not too much uh, crossover between their lists aside from like Averro and Aaron Glenn. So yeah, I mean, if I'm like predicting it right now, I, I think the Cardinals do end up going with one of the Bengals guys. 
And I might lean more Callahan just because, you know, Kyler Murray is the one thing that you know is still going to be there in a few years and you want to pair him with an offensive mind. But I wouldn't be surprised or upset if they went Anarumo. And then, yeah, I mean, if I'm the Colts, I want Shane Sykin. I don't know if he's going there because that, like I said, is probably the least attractive job opening. But I'm I'm pitching Shane Sykin hard if I'm the Colts. Jackson, head coaching vacates. Uh, uh, let me just reel that one back. Coaching <laughs> spots weren't the only thing filled this week. We have a big coordinator roundup. Let's kick it off with L.A. L.A. hires. This would have originally been Dallas fires offensive or mutually part ways with offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. 18 hours later, he's in L.A. for the O.C. job. Apparently, according to Rappaport, this had been in the works for a little bit. He was apparently unemployed for several minutes, basically. Uh that was part of the mutual parting of ways and the second the writing was on the wall. Chargers kind of swooped in there. Jackson, what are your thoughts on it? Because I personally am a pretty big fan. Yeah, I think this is one of those cases where it made sense for both teams and I'm not upset, but it is also funny that these were two very interconnected teams in terms of playoff teams with quarterbacks under contract who had some shortcomings, had some disappointing postseason exits, and we knew there was going to be change in the offseason. So the first domino falls when the Chargers choose to keep Brandon Staley, fire Joe Lombardi, and you know bow out of the Sean Payton race, basically. At that point, the whole discussion becomes who's the new offensive coordinator coming in? What's he going to be able to do to get us out of the dumpster we were in this year when we have this incredibly talented quarterback who is throwing for four and a half yards every, every first down. Meanwhile, you have the Cowboys where, you know, they're, they're putting up all these points when Dak's returning, but that's a little bit misleading, right? They're, they're the number one scoring defense. They're actually middle of the pack in offensive DVOA in games that Dak is even playing with them. Everyone's lambasting the play calling in the postseason, And there's, you know, apparently as we're finding out some friction between McCarthy and Kellen Moore. So like you said, makes sense for both sides. And I think that the Chargers here are benefiting in the sense that they get this offensive mind who's shown his ability to have a lot of success and just was in the wrong set of circumstances this past year. Now he gets to re-energize, get with a new quarterback. You know, a pretty talented skill group. They could probably use one more addition somewhere in there, but the Chargers offense has all the right tools and they'll get uh, – Sorry, I get the Rayshon Slater. That's their left tackle. He's coming back next year healthy. So you should be in a good position to be productive again. Just a case of whether or not Kellen Moore can recapture that old 2019 magic. I mean, I just, I'm liking it from this perspective. You get two top 10 DVOA finishes in offense out of Moore. This is obviously their worst season. That's two out of the four years he's been there. Big thing for me just comes down to the sheer departure of Joe Lombardi. Since Kellen Moore, this is from Mina Kimes on Twitter, since Kellen Moore uh, has been the offensive coordinator for Dallas, seventh highest dot in the league, these guys are going to be striking deep downfield. It's no more spam and stick. They'll actually have a slightly more aggressive passing offensive targeting downfield. 
That's a good thing to have when you have Justin Herbert at quarterback. I also just think what was there's one more thing I was gonna add and now I'm totally blanking on it and I might just pivot out of it. <laughs> well, if you're thinking oh, about like oh go ahead, yeah, if you found it. The one thing I was gonna add, uh now McCarthy's just calling plays. Like this is a right. big loss for Dallas. Like McCarthy's <laughs> back to going plays, which was such a wishy-washy sort of thing in Green Bay when he did it in Green Bay. It was pretty tepid play calling and he kind of gave it back and forth a couple different times. Is now talk potentially bringing Brian Schottenheimer uh, as your OC, which is like, I don't know. I don't know if you want Brian Schottenheimer to be your saver if you're the Dallas Cowboys. I like it a lot from the perspective of the Chargers, and I understand the need for change, and I think a guy that usually survives, like he was OC for Jason Garrett, survived the uh, head coaching change from Garrett to McCarthy, took over play calling responsibilities at that time and held that for three, four years. I think that's, you know, a sign of a good candidate. I think he's going to be great. I understand the need for change, but I'd be a little bit nervous offensively if I was Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Dallas get ready for a crazy soap opera season next year. If this one wasn't enough of one already, because you're going to have Mike McCarthy's play calling coming under fire every week. You could even see the bingo card where he gives it back and forth to whoever ends up coming in to fill that, you know, ghost OC role. You're going to have Jerry Jones going on the radio every week, talking about Mike McCarthy's performance, saying his job is safe one week, not answering questions on it the next week. And, you know, who knows where all that ends up. But for a franchise that, you know, I don't know if you heard, Gail, they haven't won uh, or they haven't gone to a conference championship in 25 years. Who knows? This is going to be a, a pivotal Dallas season, I think, like kind of the the telling, the most telling season of the McCarthy era and whether it's got legs. I mean, I suppose it already does, but I think either he stays or goes next year, and that I think is dependent on whether or not they get to a conference championship game. Jackson, next up, the Atlanta Falcons fill a couple of needs on their defensive end at their defensive coordinator position. Let's kick it off with Ryan Nielsen, who they hired as their defensive coordinator, most recently coming over from the New Orleans Saints. Big NFC South rivalry there. Originally came on as the defensive line coach, 2017. Takes over briefly as assistant head coach in 2021, eventually uh, being promoted to co-defensive coordinator 2022, now a full-time defensive coordinator. Falcons also make a second hire, though. Hire, uh, Jer- sorry. <laughs> Falcons make an additional hire, hire Jerry Gray, bringing 26 years of NFL coaching experience from Atlanta, eight of those as a defensive coordinator. Most recently served as the Green Bay uh, Green Bay Packers defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator. Previously worked with Arthur Smith. Decent ads, Jackson, for a team that has really lacked in defense the last few years. Yeah, I think I like it in a sense that if you're going to point at the number one deficiency of the Atlanta defense, it is a pass rush, like just the existence of one overall. You look at 39 sacks in the past two seasons combined, 19 teams had more than that just this season alone. So the pay, they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. So you bring in 
the replacement defensive coordinator to just say like, your main responsibility is to build us a pass rush and make us more physical and, and competent up front. Meanwhile, you're also bringing in Gray, who has this pedigree as more of a passing game coordinator, and he can still kind of fill that functionality in a slightly elevated title. So I think, you know, some sometimes when you have like two guys running an offense, two guys running a defense, whether or not you name one of them coordinator, you're like, is this going to work out? You know, when it was Miami with co-offensive coordinators two years ago under Flores, you're like, this seems like a disaster waiting to happen. This, I think the opposite. It's like you're you're hiring guys who, you know, haven't held coordinator positions before or graded in Buffalo like 10 years ago, but not like big name, sexy hires of people we were considering as like top candidates, like Vic Fangio, who we're about to talk about, but people who have shown the, their ability to be successful in specific aspects of the defense and molding them together to hopefully just elevate the overall product, which as you know, has been quite disappointing in Atlanta. Each of the years that Nielsen has been with the Saints in some capacity, Saints have produced a top 10 finish in defensive DVOA. That's nothing to turn your nose up at. Yeah. In addition, Gray coming in for a Packers defense that relatively underperformed expectations, but got, you know, solid, admirable performances out of their secondary, especially producing good season out of a, uh, Rasul Gary last year. Jackson, I do want to sneak one more in before we get to Vic Fangio. Shouldn't we be forgot We just we forgot, forgot yeah. one hire entirely, Jackson. Yeah. New York Jets hired former Denver Broncos head coach and former Green Bay Packers quarterbacks coach Nathaniel Hackett. They Jackson. did. <laughs> they did like, there isn't a lot more to say on that front their former coach Mike LaFleur goes to the Rams under Sean McVay as their OC Jackson Hackett fired as head coach 29th ranked offensive DVOA got some top 10 seasons by DVOA in three straight years while with the Green Bay Packers but a, a fascinating Tobias Funke level development of it didn't work for them, but it may work for us. I understand Hackett's father was a former OC for the Jets in the early aughts. But this is this is a very interesting move to me. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you have to mention the Aaron Rodgers piece of this, right? And that's where that's where even your like it didn't work for them, it might work for us reference comes in is like whether or not they'll ever admit it, Denver was hoping to get Rodgers last year. And that Hackett hiring, you know, regardless of whether or not they thought that he could still produce with another quarterback, was at least in some part aimed at getting Rodgers. And I think if I'm just reading the tea leaves here, I, I kind of see that happening again here. Not that Hackett hasn't called good plays in the past for other offenses. You know, if he, it's been mentioned that not only just his track record with Rodgers, but he also takes Blake Bortles to a conference championship game in Jacksonville. So there's there's a track record there. And, you know, being a head coach and being a coordinator, two tremendously different things. You know, Hackett can call plays. He can't call timeouts at the right time. We know that for sure. So take that responsibility out of his hands. Uh, and I think that whether or not this is like increasing the odds of Rodgers going there, I think the odds of Rodgers going there to begin with were pretty good. So I'm interested to see 
if that does indeed bear out, because if I'm just predicting whether or not it does right now, I'm, I'm going to say it does. I'm, I'm a Rodgers to the Jets believer. I mean, Rodgers is yet to even confirm whether he's playing next year. I wonder True. if that answer changes uh, with today's Brady announcement. Oh, no, no, Kale. I think, I think Aaron Rodgers definitely wants to go into the Hall of Fame with Tom Brady and J.J. Watt. He's good friends with those guys. He doesn't want the limelight. He just wants to, you know, be next to some friends on stage when he gets his gold jacket. I was more thinking of like a reflective time of like, where have all the Cowboys going? Like I'm the last guy hanging on. Uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to keep sticking around this league and going to a new team is worth it. But yeah, that also <laughs> like, sure. The, the hall of fame spotlight thing is an interesting uh, debate. I, my thing is just more like with Rogers current contract restructure or not. I don't want to, deal with current iteration Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. I feel like we've seen enough replacement-level quarterback play this year alone, whether it was, like, in backups performing above expectation or, you know, quarterbacks that have previously underperformed, like a Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, exceeding expectations and earning some, uh, you know, new – new ceiling in their uh, market cap. I'd ra- like if a Derek Carr is available, I'd rather throw five picks at Lamar Jackson uh, after the Ravens franchise tag him and try and go get 39 to 40 year old Aaron Rodgers right now. Like I, I'd, I'd try any, even a backup quarterback plus take a uh, Anthony Richardson slash Hendon hooker type. Like, the Jets have gotten so much goodwill in this year alone after being notoriously hated for, like, a decade plus and getting absolutely nothing right. It is shocking to see them just pivot this quickly and go all in, theoretically. Obviously, nothing confirmed yet because I haven't gotten Rodgers. But, like, to see them hypothetically go so in on this, like, all-in-right-now model, I get it. But, like... They've built something really good in the last year here with Salah and Douglas in terms of the talent they've been able to bring in. Mortgaging it all now for short-term game is an interesting move, to say the least, in my opinion. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I I, I get your point. windows are a thing, but, like, like, doing it for this specific duo to lead the team is questionable to me. Yeah, but, you know, you talk about replacement-level quarterback play. I think – we what we saw this year was that can that has its limits too. Like that can only get you so far. And granted, there weren't teams that really had like that good replacement that also had good rosters around him. But the Jets are like that case where like maybe they go to the conference championship with Geno Smith, but I can't see them getting past it. Right. So it it, it depends on like what your goal is with the Jets. If your goal is just to make the playoffs next year and preserve your cap health long term then yeah, I totally get running it back and drafting someone in the late first round and seeing what happens. But if the goal is like to actually contend in the AFC next year, like you, you do have to make a splash at quarterback. And I, I totally agree. I'd rather have Lamar if I'm them. I think there are 26 teams that should go after Lamar this year. Like if you're not, if you don't have Herbert Burrow, Mahomes, you know, arguably hurts Lawrence, like one of those guys, then yeah, go after Lamar. Absolutely. But I think, I think, in terms of more realistic transactions, I sort of see the winds blowing towards that Rodgers move. 
I know the winds are blowing there. I'm just not saying it's taking you to safe shores. <laughs> Maybe get, it's not, but I, I respect it. I respect the uh, the gambit. Let's get the last head coaching news in, which is kind of news. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Belicero of NFL Network originally reported that the Miami Dolphins had signed defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. We did a whole little Monday tidbit on it uh, during the Monday show. Uh, me, Brian, and Aaron talking, uh, talking it out. More recent news, however, uh, suggests that there's nothing currently concrete about the Vic Fangio deal, uh, according to Mike Kliss of KUSA TV. Uh, in the Florida area. For what it's worth, Vic Fangio told me late last night, nothing has been decided on my end. There's a huge amount of mutual respect between Canahan and Fangio, a highly successful see under Jim Harbaugh, and it appears the 49ers will have an opening soon. They obviously do now with the hiring of D'Amico. There could be some flip-flop. However, after an appearance on the Pat McAfee show, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, said the Niners are potentially in the mix, but his personal prediction was that Fangio would go to the Dolphins. So nothing confirmed yet. Do you have anything to say on either front, Fangio with the Niners or Fangio with the Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to spark the Niners rumors as soon as Ryan's leaves. Like that's, as long as ink is not to paper on the Dolphins deal, I think that's instantly going to happen. At the same time, if if Rappaport thinks that Fangio is still ending up in Miami, then that's, you know, I'm not going to say like Rappaport's right on everything all the time, but I feel like, you know, between NFL Network's other news reporter reporting that it was a done deal and that going down, I, I think that's still the way the winds are blowing. But it is interesting. Like, you don't usually see somebody as prominent as Pelissero report something and then have it still be up in the air a few days later. Like, I would have been less surprised – if it was fully overturned and he was going somewhere else by now. Cause I feel like that just happens sometimes where a guy will pull the rug out from under a deal and head somewhere else. So the fact that it's still like this nebulous, like will he or won't he thing is, is pretty interesting to me. Cause I'm, I'm feeling like it becomes more confusing with each passing day. I mean, it's yeah. The longer there's an absence, of course, I understand. I understand why he'd be confused there uh, or like why it would get so, uh, you know, unsettling and unsure. I love Fangio on the Dolphins. Uh, a spec like feels. I said it on Monday. Kid in the candy store type stuff. Uh, with the amount of defensive talent you have, and like Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Devon Holland, uh, Jalen Phillips, uh, Bradley Chubb, uh, even like UDFA guys like Cater Kohu, like a really strong. Uh, you know, just core roster of guys you've got locked in for the near future to play with here. And I think any DC is going to make the most of it uh, with this roster, but would be really exciting to see what Fangio could do with this. Would also be nuts with the Niners, obviously. Yeah. Like, if he was going for like talented defensive players, I'm I'm going to coach Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and Talano Hufanga. <laughs> Listen, I get it. But like, you know, it's good either way. I was saying more like to build a new, like a new great defense, a new really strong defense to contend in the NFL. I think, you know, the Dolphins would be a prime candidate to be like an up and comer next year. It's a but next yeah, thing, you know, 
It's like yeah. he's been to San Francisco. He's been to Denver. And these are the other two teams that are reportedly in the mix for his services, whether that's, you know, fact or just rumor because he's been there before. But I like go build something new. Go go play with new toys. Exactly. This in injury news. Got two pieces of quarterback news. One breaking. Let's start in San Francisco. Brock Purdy torn UCL out predicted six months fascinating coordinate uh 49ers quarterback situation coming up trey lance is expected back for uh the 49ers preseason however he is recovering from ankle surgery uh that knocked him out in week two jimmy garoppolo who started a majority of games for this team after trey lance's injury current free agent and was expected to leave already. Purdy will be ready for NFL preseason, but throws a wrench on the development. Again, a lot of people wish casting Tom Brady next year. That option is now off the table. Really fascinating opening for this 49ers team, especially like with the amount of talent they have in the building that is not currently available and that still very much needs developing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an obvious solution here, Kale. Just just take another quarterback with your seventh round pick again this year because maybe he's better than Brock Purdy. Who knows? Like what? What's the difference this time? You went three <laughs> overall. You went dead last. Yeah, like, so you want, yeah got four Nice. Yeah. I like it because you know why would you? Why would you make a big move when you've shown that like you're the team that could win with anyone at quarterback? I got it. If it was Brady, regardless of the fact that Brady was 46, because that's a story. That's a homecoming. That's an all time great. You know, that commands a certain amount of respect, but I mean, who are you realistically like, you're not going to go re-sign Jimmy Garoppolo. You traded all these assets for Lance. You're probably not going to, you know, trade even more assets for a Lamar. Like this is, this is a, you have what you have, you see who's available and maybe you draft somebody, but I, I'm really not against them drafting somebody like not high, high, but you just saw what you got out of Brock Purdy. Like maybe lightning strikes twice. Additional quarterback news. This one just breaking Uh dolphins quarterback Tua Tonga Vailoa has cleared concussion protocol. Mm. That's six weeks since his, uh, I believe it's, Second diagnosed, uh, third supposed uh, concussion. Uh, Talk about low. Previously made news during the week that he was not going to play in the Pro Bowl, uh, which will yes. lead us into our next story. Pro Bowl game. <laughs> I apologize uh, because of this concussion. Good to see him clear it now, but still pretty deeply troubling. It took him nearly two months to do so. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you want to read into it, right? Like, we're not in the room when he's undergoing concussion protocol. Like, I'm fine if they just wanted to try and negate every possible risk of, you know, re-injury and and keep him in the protocol as long as they could to keep assessing him. But at the end of the day, next season's going to roll around. And if he gets concussed again, it's going to be like, you know, not only the biggest story, but you really start to worry for his long-term health, forget football. So I'm, I'm already pretty much there worrying for his long-term health because like, you know, other players have had repeated concussions. We haven't seen other players have the fencing response on the field, be, you know, taken off on a headboard and then playing again mere weeks later. So it's, it's really a, a scary continuing development. And you obviously 
want what's best for Tua, and Tua wants to keep playing football, so you just hope that that works out for him. Yes, you do, of course. NFL, love your autoplay videos. Jackson, that leads us directly into his replacement for the pro ball that he has vacated. It is Ravens backup quarterback Tyler Huntley. What did he do this year? (laughs) Tell me. Jackson, he filled in for Lamar Jackson uh, upon his injury. Ends up with two total touchdowns on the season. That is the fewest ever passing touchdowns by a quarterback uh, to make a Pro Bowl. Give me the pronunciation on that name, Jackson, because I will not try it. <laughs> uh, I I didn't come up with a pronunciation. I should have. Can I just try it? Uh, Mike Borla, 1975 Eagles, I believe, uh, was the he, – he threw six touchdowns and made the Pro Bowl. Uh, NFL may have evolved. Yes, uh, Hunley, Hunley did have four, uh, four passing, five total. But you're, still, looking at the playoff, you're looking at the playoff game. I am looking at the playoff game. Two regular season, one rushing. Still very much under Barillas here. Uh, the three quarterbacks starting for the AFC in the Pro Bowl games are Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Huntley, and Derek Carr. Jackson thoughts. <laughs> uh, I love Derek Carr's tweet about <laughs> like, Hey, maybe my invite got lost in the mail from previous years. And this is the year I finally made it. Uh, I love that it's in Vegas and he is obviously seemingly on his way out of Vegas, but coming back into town for one more pit stop. Uh, Hundley is, I mean, this is the craziest story. Ever. Like, can you imagine if Brett Phillips was named an all-star in MLB or Juan Toscano Anderson was named an all-star in the NBA? Like, that's basically what this amounts to. Congrats to him. I'm sure that earns him, like, some sort of long-term accolade. Like, even just putting it on your pro, pro football reference page is crazy. Um, like, Jacoby Brissett had 600 DYAR this year and a 13% DVOA uh, and also threw for... 1950 more passing yards than Tyler Huntley. I'm not even like a tinfoil hat conspiracy guy, but I'd be a little bit surprised if there wasn't some sort of like behind the scenes stuff going on. Like Browns don't really want Brissett being named to the pro bowl. Cause that makes Deshaun look bad. And the Ravens who, you know, are in this whole back and forth negotiation with Lamar. They're like, Hey, we'd love if your replacement was named to the pro bowl. That gives us leverage. So. Just saying that, like, Jacoby Brissett objectively should have made it over Tyler Huntley, and that's not even to include other quarterbacks who actually played full seasons. Uh, these were 7, 8, and 9 on the uh, Pro Bowl options uh, for AFC quarterbacks. Uh, Mahomes obviously made the Super Bowl. Uh, Burrow uh, was replaced. Josh Allen uh, said he was out with an injury, but is playing in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week, which is interesting. Perfect. Uh, Love Tonga Vailoa, Herbert, and Jackson, and Lamar Jackson were all unavailable due to various injuries. Yeah. Let's finally, <laughs> with four minutes left in the show, get to Super Bowl news. We can go over. We're good. Does not start with happy news, Jackson. Uh Philadelphia Eagles backup right guard Josh Sills 
has been indicted on rape and kidnapping charges from a case stemming back to 2019. Don't need to go too deep into it, but uh, Sills was an undrafted free agent signed by the Eagles uh, this season. Uh, this was an incident stemming back from December 2019. Like I said, there's currently a summons uh, for him to appear in a uh, Guernsey County Common Police Court on February 16th. The Eagles have made a uh, general statement saying the organization is aware of the legal matters involving Josh Sills. We have been in communication with the legal office and are and are in the process of gathering more information. We have no further comment at this time. Dark. Uh, really just in, in a day, in a day where everything, you know, comes to light, I cannot believe that Sills has been on a roster for three full seasons with no implications while this was immediately reported. I don't know what that says about the Guernsey County Common Police Court and how long it takes them to indict people on such serious charges, but I really am just flabbergasted that this was able to go on for so long without coming to light. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is this is about as serious a crime as you can commit. Uh, why is it not, you know, I, it stinks because, you know, you want to talk about positive stories throughout Super Bowl week, and I get that Josh Sills is not an impact player on the Eagles, but he, you know, got his hat and T-shirt to celebrate being an NFC champion two and a half days ago, and now this. Uh, and I think if you're the Eagles, like, yeah, the generalized statement is the first thing that needs to come out. But, you know, if this drags on throughout Super Bowl week and he, you know, might make the trip with the team or anything crazy like that, like that is – a dark cloud that this Super Bowl does not need and one that I sincerely hope does not come to pass. Uh, Eagles signed Sills in April of this year as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he appeared in one game for them against the Arizona Cardinals. Moving on, left guard Landon Dickerson for the Eagles is expected to play. Uh, had hyperextended his elbow in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game. Uh, number of Eagles end up getting a little banged up in this one. Lane Johnson also retore his uh, his adductor uh, slightly. Uh, is expected to still play, or no? He he retore the Giants game, mind you. Played partly in the 49ers game. Dickerson is expected to play with a brace. Johnson is expected to play through the injury. Again, Jackson, said in week 17, any given Sunday, this team needs as much rest as possible to embrace this Super Bowl run. They're getting it with the extra bye. But this offensive line is starting uh, to fall apart by the threats. Yeah, and this is, again, like we, we talked on another program about how this team – hasn't necessarily been tested, at least not by, you know, the playoffs or even in the regular season, like didn't particularly play uh, close games against other good teams, barely played against other good teams, unless you count the two Cowboys games with backup quarterbacks going for someone in each. So, uh, you know, in some ways you worry because they're not tested. So who knows how they react if the Super Bowl is close, but it enables them 
to do stuff like resting Dickerson in the fourth quarter, going easy on Lane Johnson in the 49ers game. Like there's, there's maybe, you know, you can argue about like drawbacks to all these blowouts, but from a health perspective, it's been a huge boon to them and allowed them to like maintain health, even through injury as much as possible. And that's what you're seeing with Dickerson here. It's one of their strongest, uh, strongest aspects of their team. Six in adjusted line yard, 18th in adjusted sack rate, seventh in power rank. And this is a Kansas City Chiefs team that dominated in the interior line against a backup Cincinnati Bengals line, courtesy of Chris Jones. Speaking of that Chiefs team, Chiefs have been in a couple Super Bowls recently, and this will be the first time in the Mahomes era that the Chiefs will wear white. Yes, Jackson, this is uniform news and take it away. Uniform news. Um, Uniform news is all we have to go on with the Chiefs right now. If you go to Chiefs.com and look in the news section, it's all just post-game press stuff from the AFC Championship still, which is a good thing. Like, there's no big injury stories, big dramatic stories going on. That being said, Jackson, it is oddly quiet considering – all the injuries. Jarius Sneed's still out with a concussion. Yeah. Uh, there were reports that Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't walk on his own after the game to the team locker room. Uh, there's additional injuries to Darius Tony and Miko Hardman. You've got the injuries to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You also have injuries to Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Like, there's a lot of injury news that we should be getting, and we have and not. not. So all so we've got is you. <laughs> now, Kale, when you think about – uh chiefs white uniforms what color pants are you picturing red red yes so for the most part they always wear red they wear white maybe once or twice a year and in the back of my head i was like i expect that they'll wear red but let me just do my research uh before i come on here and tell you that they're going to wear red and while i cannot confirm via any official statement that they'll be wearing red pants uh i certainly expect it because the chiefs lost super bowl one to the Green Bay Packers in white pants and notoriously superstitious head coach Hank Stram then banned the team from wearing the white on white combo for the next 20 years. So I don't expect that they'll pull it back out for this Super Bowl. Red pants for the Chiefs, calling it first. This is what you come to the FO News show, folks. Accurate. 50-plus year old uniform statistics. Mm-hmm. Not going to get it anywhere else. What a way to close out. This edition of the FO News Show. Want you, as always, shout out FO Plus, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. All of our paywall content, all of our statistics, you get access to the All 32. We're going to get a complete film breakdown for Derek Klassen for the Super Bowl. Uh, any of our DVOA stuff, any of our gambling picks before the biggest gambling day of the year, any of our fantasy picks, if you want to get one last best ball game in for the Super Bowl or one last daily fantasy for the Super Bowl, two decades of Almanac that would have told you the Eagles were pretty high favorites to make this game when few other outlets were. You check the receipts, we've got two decades worth of them sitting in the almanac section always always got a shout out fo plus and kale this is this is our program and and isn't there a way that they can use your name your good name to get a little bit of a discount that they can jackson use code kale 
10% off. I know the show has one. I don't have it off top. <laughs> but if you use Kale, you're guaranteed 10% off. That FO Plus subscription. That'll do it for us at the FO News Show next week. We'll have all the latest from Media Week, from Monday Night Media Roundup, all the latest on all those Chiefs injuries and some Eagles ones. Nope. Hopefully, if they don't stay <laughs> dark on us. For Jackson, I'm Kale. We'll see you guys next week. Super Bowl edition. Sure.